0: Welcome to the No Spin News, Tuesday, January 5th, 2021. Stand up for your country. Big Georgia vote, as you know. We'll get to that in a moment. But I got a lot of reaction last night to my analysis of what progressives really want in America. Now, if you missed it uh, and you're a premium member or concierge member to BillOReilly.com, you can access it anytime. But if you're watching us on, on The First TV or our other outlets, You can go to BillOReilly.com and get a transcript, and that's what we do for you guys. Now, we're going to have part two today of my analysis of the progressive movement, where it is and what it wants and how it affects you. But let's begin with Georgia, because as everybody knows, this is going to be a short-term historical um, vote in this country. I say short-term because two years from now, we got another House vote. And uh, that could go GOP if uh, the Biden administration gets off to a slow start. So um, you've got uh, a rally last night in Georgia. Donald Trump flew down there. Joe Biden also went down. Trump's rally was bigger. Um, Trump spoke for 80 minutes. You could watch it on Fox News, C-SPAN, Newsmax, or One America. But uh, the corporate media did not take it. and the speech I thought was effective in mobilizing Republicans to vote for uh, the two Republican candidates. Um, Donald Trump made a significant statement last night that I wanna go over with you because it's very important. Roll the tape. We were leading at 10 o'clock in the evening by a lot in Pennsylvania. There were 205,000 more ballots cast than there were voters. How do you get around that one? which remains completely unexplained. You have great senators and representatives there and nobody can explain it. But think of that. And in other places too. You had more ballots than you had voters. You had more votes, think of it, than you had voters by a lot. In Arizona, more than 36,000 votes were cast by non-citizens. And there were 11,000 more ballots than there were voters. All right, well, that struck me as very specific, so we investigated. And uh, we're going to put up what we found on the screen. So in Pennsylvania, according to the state, all right, this is from the state, there are about 9 million registered voters. Votes cast in the presidential election on November 3rd, 6,915,000. So the state, the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, That is their official position. Now, some of you might say, well, we don't trust the state of Pennsylvania. Okay. But that position is not going to change. And that is the position that is given to the courts. Now, if you wanted to do an audit of the vote, which I believe the Pennsylvania legislature should do, and to see and confirm that, okay, with me. But right now, What the president said last night is not on the record. Let's go to Arizona. It's another interesting case. So in Arizona, there are 4,281,000 registered voters. On November 3rd, 3,385,000 cast ballots. Again, that is from the state. That is what the state is certifying. You can do an audit. The legislature of Arizona could order it. And again, they should. Any state tainted by this, when a president of the United States comes out and says, hey, I was cheated in Pennsylvania and Arizona and more people voted than were registered, you should, you should uh, do an audit, I believe. Put everybody at rest because millions of Americans believe what Donald Trump says. Now, as a journalist, I have to go by the facts, and I've just presented them to you. Those are the facts that stand now. Did somebody cheat on those facts? Did somebody put up false information? It's possible, but certainly not probable, because it would be a felony to do that. And you would go to prison for many, many years if you did that. So that's all I can do. I can't do any more. What the president said last night does not match up with what the states themselves have put out. Now, one more caveat. Um, I do believe there was fraud in the election. I believe in Fulton County, Georgia, Wayne County, Michigan, Philadelphia County, Pennsylvania, Clark County, Nevada, all delivered fraudulent results. That is based on reporting that I have seen. Mail-in ballots that should not have been accepted were. Bundlers delivered lots of mail-in voters in Pennsylvania, and they were not supposed to be counted under the state's constitution. fact, they were counted. But what the president said last night does not seem, does not reflect the record as it is now. Is that fair? All right. Back to Georgia. So the polls close at 7 p.m. tonight. All the cables will cover it. Um, The mail ins and there are a tremendous amount of early early voting and mail ins. Mail in a million in Georgia, early voting, two million. I mean, that's a colossal amount. So the lines in Georgia, I understand, were not big today on Election Day. About an average of five to 15 minute wait in the counties in Georgia to vote because so many people voted ahead of time. Um, Nobody knows how those votes went because they're not counted until 7 p.m. tonight. Mail-in voters are not counted in advance in Georgia. All right. And 40 percent of all registered voters did vote early by either mail-in or in person. Okay. I can't make a prediction. I did make a prediction Uh, about a month ago, that I said the two Republicans were likely to win, okay? And um, the reason I made that prediction, that Purdue and Loeffler would win, was because they won the initial election on uh, the 3rd of November, and I didn't see a big change. Since that time, two things have happened, all right? Number one, you had a phone call by President Trump to the Georgia secretary of state, basically saying, we believe there's fraud in Georgia and we want to find 11,000 votes that were fraudulent. Now, to me, that phone call was no big deal, but it got pumped up big time. And then there was a $2,000 check, COVID stimulus check that Mitch McConnell, the Republican Senate leader, killed. So the Georgians would get $600 like everybody else, but not $2,000. That could influence some votes. All right. So now I'm looking at Trafalgar polling, which is accurate. It's a dead heat. It's really a, a tie. So nobody knows, and I'm not going to predict it. Maybe our next guest will. Dr. Rashad Ritchie is a talk show host in Atlanta. That's Fulton County. He does the Rashad Ritchie morning show on WAOK Talk 1380, and he's an editor-at-large at at Rolling Out Magazine. All right. Now, we like the doctor. He's a lively guy. I've asked him not to do any ideology for us tonight, just the facts. So watching the election so far today
1: in Georgia, what's your initial impression, doctor? It's going to be a tight race, and you're right on your assessment about it is too close to call. I followed a lot of the polling data, Bill, and some pollsters had Ossoff seven points ahead. Others had Warnock six points ahead. That will never happen. Um, You should never take information from those polling companies ever again. Uh, This is going to be an extremely tight election, but I will say this, there's a level of excitement around voting in a runoff in Georgia like I've never seen before. Now, naturally, because of my uh, social demographic and the people I interact with, they tend to be more progressive and urban. They are black and brown folk who are part of the progressive conversation. Uh, But I have seen young people engaged like I have not seen historically for a runoff election in Georgia. And the fact that lines are not long on election day tells me a narrative based on historical context. And the narrative is that typically the Republican would wait on election day to participate based on the narrative created by Donald Trump and other surrogates. Well, we don't seem to have the record number of conservatives turning out on election day. Is it possible they simply decided to go against the grain and vote by way of absentee or vote early? Possibly, perhaps. However, given the history I would say not not in probability. They are probably now not the front runners in this race. Uh, I don't want to make a prediction, but it's definitely going to be close.
0: All right. Now, there's a difference between mail-in voting, which does tilt left and Democrat, and early voting, where you show up to a poll in place. So that's why I would just caution everybody that it's not all mail-ins, the 3 million. 2 million of them are walk into the poll voting which I think would be, could go either way. Um, President Trump gave an 80 minute speech as I reported last night in Georgia. I thought it was pretty effective in rallying Republicans. Do you disagree?
1: I think Donald Trump has reached what we call market saturation. And that means you have so many individuals who have made up their mind, not only about President Trump, but also about everyone else. The last poll, credible poll that came out about undecided voters had Georgia undecided voters who are likely to vote in the runoff at 3%. You have a very small margin here to actually influence, but. When an election is closed, 3% is the difference between night and day. I don't think he moved the needle. I think people who are going to vote for Senator Leffler as well as Senator Perdue uh, are still going to vote for them. I'm not sure he's actually increasing the vote total. And the phone call to a liked Republican, Raffensperger, and his dissension with a liked Republican governor, Brian Kemp, has not helped the georgia republican voter make their minds up any quicker
0: but that's that's for the hardcore politicos his his brawl with the governor and the uh and the uh secretary of state of, of georgia um, when you give a speech like trump gave it dominates local news coverage in your state dominated last night at 11 all the tv news covered it. it dominated the morning programs in georgia everybody was talking about it that's the uh, that is the effectiveness of that that he gets let me push the back a little attention that he gets the attention of people who are like out there they're, they're kind of like not
1: locked in dialed in go ahead yeah and I, and I definitely get that and you have a, a good point but let me push back a little bit on that um, you're right a lot of local news carried it I work for a local news station here as their political analyst uh, we carried it as well but he gave an 80 freaking minute speech. When somebody gives an 80-minute speech, there's a lot of content that you can actually play a clip of that may not move the needle, and it may not actually convey the totality of the message that Donald Trump wanted yeah, to convey I mean, because if, he gave an 80-minute speech. And sure, you can point, make
0: them look foolish if you wanted to. I don't know if local news in Georgia does that. I suspect I know, not, not make him so look much.
1: That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is 80 minutes... In a rally where people are excited to see a guy does not necessarily translate into a two minute soundbite on the local news. And oh, on. two weeks now, ago,
0: Doc, I, I could pull 10 soundbites out of there for 90 seconds. It's easy. Well, it just yes, depends on how
1: the producers do it. You're That's trying to all. push a different point. But I will say this. Fifty five percent of those who consider themselves to be very conservative in the state of Georgia in a poll two two weeks ago said that they are likely not to vote in this election, not because they don't like Donald Trump or don't like the Democrats. Yeah, that
0: would, if that happens, then the Democrats would win. So let's go to those Democrats. You interviewed them both. My assessment is that Mr. Ossoff, 33 years old, he did a few documentaries, doesn't really have a, a background that's impressive, with all due respect seems to be a very far left progressive guy. Am I uh, assessing him the wrong way?
1: Yeah, I think so. Uh, He did work for Congressman John Lewis. He also worked for Congressman Hank Johnson, uh, and he's had a pretty stellar career Uh, as a as a documentarian and has exposed a lot of criminal corruption internationally. Some of that we actually highlighted on our local news as well as our radio platform. So he has a a great career. He's only 33, Bill. That's the thing. Right. But he he looks like he's a far left guy. I mean, he looks like he's
0: buying into all the socialism and all the AOC stuff. Um, I haven't seen any moderate or temperate statements from him. He's he's on board with this uh, progressive juggernaut, is he
1: not? I like the fact he's a progressive and stands by the authenticity of his belief. Uh, one of the things he talked about on my show this morning was a plan for HBCUs, historically black colleges and universities, something that gets left out of the conversation. These institutions, I'm a graduate of one of them myself, uh, these institutions are a mainstay and necessary inside of the African-American community. Well, they're very expensive, the private ones in particular. And he has a plan, and the only candidate I've ever heard, articulate a plan to make sure that even private HBCU graduates can graduate debt-free. That connects with not only black students, but it also connects with black parents who may have never gone to an HBCU have any that problem. understand institutional carry value
0: he's going to carry 90% of the African-American vote. There's no doubt about it. Now, well, Warnock, but that's not
1: the issue. The issue isn't how many, or, or the percentage. The issue is how many more can you excite who were not normally going to vote in a okay. runoff election.
0: All right, and maybe they will. I don't know. Warnock is very radical. I mean, here's a guy, uh, to me, um, I'm saying to myself, wow. And, you know, he he comes across as a guy who practices identity politics, and you're very well aware of what that is. Um, and I, I, I think Loeffler has a better chance to defeat Warnick than the other, than Ossoff and uh, the incumbent senator on the Republican side. Am I wrong there?
1: I do think you're wrong on that. Uh, Warnock actually enjoys a significant portion of the Christian evangelical faith community who who has come out and supported him. As a matter of fact, pastors uh, wrote a letter in support of Warnock in this sense, not as an endorsement, but they did not like the negative campaigning that was happening against him. And then they placed Ebenezer Church inside of those commercials. There's a major local conservative talk radio personality right here in Atlanta, who yesterday on his show went on a rant about Leffler and the negative campaigning and how it is not the way in Georgia and he admitted he voted for Warnock it sent shockwaves through local media this morning but he's not alone in that sentiment i think they may have overplayed their hand with this you know radical right. this radical identity it's certainly uh, campaign nasty.
0: It's certainly a nasty campaign down uh, between Loeffler and Warnock, Purdue and Ossoff. Not so much. It's a standard kind of issue. Hey, Doctor, we appreciate you uh, coming on and giving us the the on-the-ground in uh, Georgia uh, point of view. And always uh, a pleasure, Bill. Okay, and and if we can ever help you out in any way, you let us know. Okay, it's very nice of you to help us out. Thank you. Okay, so uh, we're on this, and uh, tomorrow I will um, obviously cover it, but I'm going to tweet tonight. Um, so you might dial into that. I'll be watching the returns, obviously. So, what happens in uh, Washington tomorrow with the certification of Joe Biden as president? Each state has to certify the Electoral College. So, let me just give you the facts. Here's what, what happens at one in the afternoon, okay. Vice President Pence calls all of the elected senators and congresspeople together in the House chamber. All right. So everybody's there and all their masks on and uh, Republicans be on one side, Democrats be on the other. Okay. Now, then each state has to certify the electoral vote. There are going to be at least 12 Republican senators and an uh, we don't know how many Republican Congress people that are going to object to certain states like Pennsylvania, like Georgia, like Arizona, Michigan, Wisconsin. They're going to object to certifying their votes, saying they're fraudulent. OK, so now in each objection, there's then a conference uh, among the Senate, senators and the House people, not together. They separate. And then there's a vote. Now, in the House, the Democrats have a majority. We all know that. So none of these challenges are going to come to anything in the House. And you need both chambers to vote for a holdback of the electoral vote. Remember that. Both chambers. The House is never going to do it. I don't think the Senate will do it either because there are Republican senators like Romney, it's not going to they're not going to do it. So the whole exercise is basically symbolic. Nothing is going to be held back. Every electoral vote on the sheet now will be certified. I'm sorry to tell you the truth because I know some of you are still banking that there's going to be some kind of reversal, but there will not be. It just The numbers don't add up. So all day they'll do this, but in the end it'll be Biden because it's never, ever in our history has Congress overturned the electoral vote. I'm not going to do it this time. Now, the progressive manifesto. This is very, very important. So yesterday we told you that progressives want to destroy capitalism. That's number one. We're an unjust racist society because of capitalism. Because the white people have all the money and the assets, and they got it because of slavery. That's the narrative, okay? So that's why the Democratic Party doesn't ever vote for any financial restraint, okay? They vote for everything that costs money. And we have a $28 trillion debt. To be fair, Donald Trump. Increased that debt by $7 trillion in his four years. He said, I had to do it to get the economy and the military back in shape. All right, be that as it may, the Democrats will never practice fiscal restraint. They want the dollar to collapse. Not all of them, but a significant portion of them. They want to go back to Franklin Delano Roosevelt in the 1930s, with the New Deal. You remember when the American economy had collapsed in 1929, all right, under Herbert Hoover. The next election, FDR won, the Democrat. He took over the entire American economy. You remember any of this from your history classes? And ran it and doled it out, but still didn't work. Didn't get out of the Depression until World War II. The government ran it. That's what the progressives want now. In order to get this, they have to divide Americans and they have to destroy tradition in this country. Easy to divide. They're going, if you're a have not, if you don't have anything, we're going to give you guaranteed income, guaranteed job, guaranteed housing, food justice across the board. People are going to go, yeah. Those are minority groups and immigrant groups that's driving the Democratic vote. okay? And then if you can get the class warfare up to here, which we have in Georgia. Do you think that most Georgians voting for the Democrats know what Ossoff and Warnock really want? They don't. That's why I'm telling you this. Now, part of the strategy of the democrats and the progressives the people who want to redesign the whole country is to create a dependent society from cradle to grave the government doles out to you what they think washington thinks you should have okay that's what they have in sweden in the netherlands in belgium called democratic socialism. Okay. So in order to do that, you have to take assets away away from corporations and the affluent, the individual citizen. You have to take them away. That's the wealth tax. All right. So they want to create a dependent society where everything comes from Washington. You're dependent on them for your pension, health care, all of it. Now, they also wanted to create a dependent society so you don't think for yourself. How do they do that? By legalizing marijuana, hard narcotics, by having people addicted to this all day, every day, this, by not educating people to what capitalism really is, by having schools and universities drum in. Progressive socialism is best racist America, all of that is going on. You see it, I report it every day. A dependent society, all right, must come about when the people, all 330 million of us, don't know what's happening. And if you're stoned every day or drunk every day or spending the whole day on your device, you don't blank and know or care. Okay. So individual achievement, striving for self-reliance, the worst thing. Progressives, the worst thing. And finally, the progressives want to create anarchy. Because the more terrified the population is, the more they'll veer into the totalitarian socialism. What was the Nazi party's name? National socialism. That was the official name of the Nazi party. What did Joseph Stalin tell his people in Russia? You've got to get away from the czar. It's all corruption. He has all the money. I'll spread the money around. Mao Zedong, same thing. Ho Chi Minh, same thing. Fidel Castro, Batista's the devil. I'll dole it out. Never works, but you lose your freedom. So anarchy must be created. Do we have anarchy in Seattle, Washington? I believe so. How about Portland, Oregon? Seems to me we do. How about San Francisco? How about Los Angeles County, where laws are not enforced anymore? How about New York City, where last night we told you about individuals being assaulted on the streets and nothing being done about it? Nothing. I mean assaulted with baseball bats, with concrete. You didn't see this 10 years ago. See it now. More anarchy, the more Antifa, the more fires, the more looting, why do you think they don't prosecute these people, the locals? They want it. You, Chicago could solve that murder problem in three days with the National Guard. Why aren't they in there protecting the poor black people being slaughtered in the streets? They want to break the society down. And the more you terrify people, the easier it is to do. All of this is not happening by accident. And it's my job to tell you the why of it, not just the what. Every other news agency is telling you what is happening, and most of them are being dishonest about that. They ignore the antifas. They ignore the terrible governors not enforcing the laws of protecting their people. They ignore them or even glorify them. All right. But I'll tell you what happens and why. This progressive juggernaut could never happen. And I talked about this on the radio in New York City today. All right. It could never happen without the media signing off on it. Ten years ago, the media would have blasted the looters. Not now. Social justice. Social justice. And that goes hand in hand with the education. If you are a traditional conservative student on most college campuses, you're in deep trouble. If you open your mouth, if you're an instructor, a college professor, a high school teacher, and you stick up for traditional America, stand up for your country, you are in big trouble. You might lose your job. This is how much power has been accumulated by the progressive left, because there are very few people who are standing up against them. Now, Trump did, but not in a focused way. He was unfocused because he always brought it back to himself. Yes, absolutely, they were after him from the jump. They hate him. But he didn't give you the big picture arc like I'm giving you now. And now we have a president who will never, never stand up to this progressive left ever. He's intimidated. He doesn't know what's happening, and he doesn't care very much. This is Biden. Is Biden a progressive guy? Does he want to break down capitalism? No. No. He's an old-time Paul, a hack, if you will. That's who he is. But he's not a reformer. The Me Too's gave him a pass when some woman accused him. As every prominent person is accused now if you're a male when he got accused pass total pass because they knew no I'm damaged Joe no not gonna do that because Joe is not gonna stand up and right behind Joe is Kamala Joe can't stand her but she's there All right. There's a transcript of all of this available to you. This is one of the most important things I've done uh, in the past years to lay out the progressive agenda, the why behind the what. Let's just pray the Georgia thing comes out so that the Democrats do not control the Senate. I actually physically prayed and am praying. A new study, which I don't believe, by the Eurasia Group, uh, says that the biggest geopolitical risk in the world today is a divided America. I think the biggest risk is COVID. I think COVID is a warning. I'm a man of faith. I believe in the deity. I'm not ashamed of it. I believe this is sent as a warning. Okay? now You could have something ten times worse than COVID. Just imagine. But anyway, this crew says a superpower torn down the middle cannot return to business as usual. And when the most powerful country in the world is so divided, everybody has a problem. There's some validity to it, but I think COVID is a worse situation. Now, we went over some cancel stuff. I'm going to do this tomorrow. Um, There have been people who have been fired and terrorized, as I said, for saying things that go against the progressive agenda. But I don't really have time to do it today. So, my producers, we will put that on the agenda for tomorrow. Drug companies are jacking up prices this year, as I predicted would happen. Uh, That's why Pfizer held back the announcement of the vaccine till after the vote. Pfizer wanted Trump out of there. Pfizer's raising their prices on all their drugs. Why did they want Trump out? Roll the tape with your vote we will continue to fight for American workers lower drug prices we are bringing drug prices down way down it's already happened all right the average increase uh, in this year 2021 three and a half percent on your drugs going up there you go and this isn't ironic that the Democratic Party was supposed to be looking out for all the working people they're not going to oppose this it's so drug companies give them billions of dollars so, do the lawyers. <laughs> COVID. Oh, I love this. So, New York State, which is the, probably the third poorest run state, versus Illinois. Pritzker is the worst governor I think who's ever served in that position in the entire history of our country. California is second, New York is third. Obviously, uh, New York now can't get the vaccine distributed. Why? Well, Let's listen to Cuomo and de Blasio. I need them to take personal responsibility for their hospitals. Uh, this is a management issue of the hospitals. They have to move the vaccine and they have to move the vaccine faster. That's just arrogance. Listen, uh, does he think that our healthcare professionals are uninterested in vaccinating people? Uh, How about trusting the people who have been our heroes? How about you are the biggest moron in public life I've ever seen, except for Pritzker? (laughs) Uh, You can't get the vaccine in New York. I live here. I'm broadcasting from here. You can't get it. Nobody knows who's in line, where they should go. Nobody knows anything. That's because of Cuomo and de Blasio in New York City. They're incompetent. They are corrupt. But... I, I, if Cuomo ran again, I think he'd win. Now they're fighting between themselves. They're blaming each other. And nothing works here. Nothing works in this state. How about England? You think it's bad here? Over there, you can't go out of the house. Well, wait. Boris Johnson, the prime minister, he says you go out one time for a little exercise. Hey, Boris. One time. Total lockdown. Whole country. To February fifteenth, because of COVID. All right, Boris. Okay, so I can't go out. Now they're not going to enforce it, but that's what they're telling you. Go out one time, a day. Why? Because COVID's everywhere in England. So here's my question: If Trump killed everybody in the United States, as CNN, MSNBC, NBC News, ABC News, CBS News all accused him of doing, killed everybody. Did Boris Johnson kill everybody in England? Just asking. Simple man. This day in history, January 5th, 1998, Sonny Bono killed. Remember this guy? Sonny Bono um, was with Cher, okay? And he was an entertainer. There they are. They got married. Cher was 17, I believe, maybe maybe 18. Um, he was 27. They got married. Sonny was already married, but got divorced. And then they uh, started cutting records under Phil Spector, who's now in prison for life, for murder. Spector was the wall of sound guy. So you remember, I got you, babe, all of those songs. And then they got divorced, and Sonny became the mayor of Palm Springs, California. And then after that, he was elected to Congress in California. So on January 5th, Sonny took his family. He was married four times. Yes. Four times. So one of his families, last family up to Lake Tahoe where he went skiing alone and smashed into a tree, not wearing a helmet. He's dead. Okay. 23 years ago today, Sonny Bono dies. On his tombstone is written, The Beat Goes On, the title of one of his hits. Quick break, back with some mail, and a final thought in a moment. Everything is expensive these days, you know that. The government is printing trillions of dollars in consumer prices higher than ever. If the government continues its printing and spending, the dollar could continue its freefall and lose its coveted role as the world Okay, let's get to some mail. Philippe, concierge member. Happy New Year, Bill. Your definition of progressivism is the best I have ever heard. Well, thank you, Philippe. Another concierge member who calls himself Senior Patriot. Wow, Bill, on the first day back, your No Spin News message gave me a jolt. I'm glad I clicked on transcript because you put so much into it. Again, you can get a transcript just like Super Patriot did, Senior Patriot did, of my remarks about anything. Jeanette uh, Geilman, Northville, New York. Listen to your comment about progressives taking over America. Can you explain why we are allowing this to happen? Because voters are voting that way. As Simple as that. They're pulling the lever for these people. William Caldwell, Birmingham, Alabama. Bill, just watch the first no-spin news. Have to say the hidden progressive agenda was a downer. You mentioned many culprits, including Soros, but failed to mention Barack Hussein Obama. You know, I just had this debate with Monica Crowley, who's leaving the Treasury Department. She's working there. uh, And she was blaming Obama. I think I'll get into this tomorrow a little bit on time night. But Obama is a little bit different than you might think on that front. Chris Van Horn, Green Bay, Wisconsin. I think the Packers may be in the Super Bowl, Chris. Um, To keep saying, uh, you know, there was fraud in the election, but there's no proof, Bill. When I hear this, it drives me crazy. Are you saying thousands of signed affidavits from witnesses is not proof? I am saying you need to cross-examine those affidavits. Just because somebody swears something doesn't make it proof. You know that. Come on. Everybody knows that. It wasn't thousands anyway. Charlene, I wish you would explain more about big corporations supporting the Democrats. Why do they do it? Ideology. You know, everybody thinks these big corporate moguls are, are really smart. They're not. Believe me, they're not. I worked for them for 45 years. Many of them are idiots. They just go with the pack, with the cocktail party crew. Ed, so in your opinion, did SCOTUS abdicate its responsibility by not hearing the Texas or Pennsylvania cases? No. They're not a gathering, information-gathering body. You have to bring them the information. And the court, which leans conservative, deemed it not enough. Penny. How can the courts review the evidence they won't even look at the cases? Because before they make a decision, the evidence is presented to them, Penny. In order to get the Supreme Court's attention, you have to have the evidence. Kenneth, Bill, you are wrong. Trump will be reelected. All right, I'm going to bet you 10 to 1, give you 10 to 1 odds, Kenny. All right, that if Trump is reelected, if he's ran, I will... I will donate $1,000 to IndependenceFund.org. You, if he's not, only have to give them $100. Ten to one odds. Okay. Wayne Hobbs, Phoenix, Arizona. It is customary for an outgoing president to remain silent. Do you expect President Trump to do so? No. No. Katherine Bankhead, Houston. I wanted to thank you for directing us to our doctor. To ask about getting the vaccine, that's what I did. I got it, and all my friends are amazed. I told them, you suggested the doctor and talked up the no-spin news. Larry Anderson, Jamestown, New York. Bill, if the Democrats win the Senate and pack the Supreme Court, can Republicans undo that? No. Supreme Court appointments are for life. All right. Franklin Hager, Grayson, Kentucky. Bill, I gave premium membership to a family member and ordered a couple of books for myself over the holidays. I received a bunch of free stuff I did not expect because we love you guys. Order from us, anything. We throw stuff in. It's like your favorite restaurant tour. give you a little dessert. That's what we do. All
1: right, word of the day,
0: uh, do not be a coxcomb, C-O-X-C-O-M-B. And we'll be back with a final thought in a moment. All right, here's the final thought of the day. Do you care if people mislead you? Because apparently, millions and millions of Americans don't. So I documented yesterday that we had almost 100 percent accuracy rating and reporting news last year in a very complicated year. Though so I know you guys appreciate that, or you wouldn't be listening to me now. But all the others and I mean all the others, on television and newspapers, all a bunch of bull. All right. They told you stuff that wasn't true. Yet some people don't care. How about in your personal life? Somebody misleads you, tells you something, and it doesn't happen. Do you hold it against them? I want to know. Because you know who you watch and listen to and who you read. And you know you have been misled. Tell me if that bothers you. Bill at Bill O'Reilly.com. Bill at billo'reilly.com. We'll read some of those letters tomorrow. See you then.